So I'm now talking to Ken Brokart of Burgundy Asset Management. Ken manages a portion of our Greater European Fund and, of course, on the global equity side, manages a portion of the Worldwide Opportunities Fund. Ken, it's great to have you with me in London today. Great to be here, Chris. Ken, first and foremost, uh, and we'll maybe talk about it in a few minutes' time, I know you're over in the UK seeing companies, and it'll be really interesting to, to find out what your experiences are of that. But I wanted to start by talking about your investment process and the way in which you try and find high-quality companies that are at a discount to their intrinsic value. We've been in a momentum market, and markets have pushed ahead, possibly to some people's surprise, over the better part of this year. I wondered how it felt to you trying to find these companies at a discount to intrinsic value in this current climate? I would say at the moment, at this very moment, it's very difficult. I say we're at a point where if you stick to your quality criteria, it's very hard to find huge discounts, but you can find reasonable valuations or you can choose to hold reasonable valuations, which is what we have done. It was a different story when we had the market weakening in Q1. We had a couple days post-Brexit where we had a chance to uh, to do some things. But I'd say at this very moment, in a way, I'm wishing uh, for a bit of disruption so we could find better value. And that's really interesting because a couple of things. Firstly, that when there have been setbacks, the reversal or, or, or getting back up to previous highs has happened incredibly quickly to my mind. So there's not been a long period of time where you can buy companies at that discount that's created by the market setback? Especially we found post-Brexit. I, I was surprised, and we don't try to project those types of things, uh, but we like to capitalize on them. And it was a very short window. In a way, we wish for longer windows post those, those types of events to capitalize. We, we were able to add to two European holdings and, and didn't even get filled that much on one of them. It was so short. Q1, when the market weakened significantly, though, was a longer period that we were able to capitalize on, on more things. But we don't try to project how markets would go. As you know, we're, we're bottom-up company by company. But I am surprised what the markets have done post-Brexit. There just has to be the chance for some bumps and disruption along the way, and it sure hasn't been the case yet. It's, it's been kind of onwards and upwards within a few days of weakness after it. Indeed. And I wanted to break that down from the work that you're doing on your European companies as opposed to the, the portfolio you've picked up on the, on the global equity side. So when you're out seeing UK and European companies, what are they saying to you about their trading conditions, about the market environment that they're, they're trading? I guess for a, for a UK exporter, Fallen Sterling has been quite advantageous for them. And that is our exposure in the UK. And, and, and it's why we did quite well if you looked at just that short period. Well, we've done quite well anyway. But through that those types of periods... We often do quite well, and, and it's the function that we tend to look for companies that have strong positions in many markets. And in, in the case of our British companies, they, they are quite international. But what we are hearing, and we are here this week, as you said, I think as I, I've got Andrew Troy and Connor O'Kelly here with me, the analysts I work closely with on Europe, and we're seeing 26 companies, I believe, as a team. I'd say a general theme is I don't think things are bad, but most companies are prepared for obviously a lower inflation environment and a lower organic growth environment. So they're, they're talking about how to create shareholder value with lower organic growth. So being efficient with margins. Now, companies have done that for many years post-financial crisis. So that really 
it's important to do a company-by-company company analysis on where you really think there is margin improvement potential. And what's that like from different sectors? You, you, you quite rightly say that your portfolio is biased towards those sort of international companies, so, you know, the tobacco stocks, for example. But but obviously there's some sector diversion in your portfolio. What are the experiences of the companies in different sectors? It's mixed. It, it is a bit mixed. By say. I'd say in general, though, most sectors are seeing the lower growth. That part's true. It's just differing degrees. So we've got some companies, and especially a lot of companies on our dream team list, which are companies that meet our quality criteria, but we don't currently hold them, for example, that are high-quality industrials. They're feeling cyclicality, where they've got exposure to oil and gas and mining and things like that. We don't own companies that are direct oil and gas or miners at, uh, at the moment, but we look at companies that might supply into those industries as well as many others. And they're feeling it and not seeing necessarily that much recovery yet. But, but I do think it's past the weakest point for oil and gas and for mining. It does seem like things have stabilized and there's a chance within uh, the next couple of years that there, there could be some recovery in volumes in, in those types of areas. If you go to consumer staples companies, they're very resilient businesses. So the, the difference there is with lower inflation and lower organic growth, we're, we're talking, it's just a little bit more challenging to get the same top line that they were used to. Although they're still growing top line, it's a matter of degree. Their performance doesn't change in a wild way, which is part of the reason we like them a lot, uh, as long as the valuations are acceptable. Now, you talk about being a bottom-up manager, and that's absolutely right. But do you feel as though your companies are being affected by the political maelstrom that we're in, whether it's the referendum vote in the UK, forthcoming elections next year in France, uh, in Germany, in the Netherlands, the Italian referendum, the US presidential, I could go on. There's a large number of political factors that are affecting the way in which companies can trade, I would have thought. It, it does seem that we're, I think, no matter what time one is in, there's always a number of worries, whether they're macro or political. It does seem like there's more of them now, though. I agree with you on that. What I would say with our approach, we're not top-down investors. We're not macro investors. But what do your companies but, but, say? So, well, this is a nuance of how we think. What that means to Burgundy and how we approach it, we don't do forecasts of GDP, of inflation, of interest rates, of sector by sector or country by country, and then decide, well, well, here's the countries or we'll look in and based on our macro forecast, here's the companies we'll pick. That's not what we do. That's what we mean when we say we're not macro investors, but we're macro aware. We always have been. And we, we look at macro developments through the eyes of our companies and what that means, the types of things we do to make sure that essentially we don't want macro events or political events to ruin an investment thesis on a bottom up company. Ultimately, we owe our clients good long-term absolute returns, and we don't want them to lose significant capital on the downside. And if there's a company where the thesis could be completely derailed by macro or political events, we avoid it. So we are aware of macro. An example is just cyclicality. We spend a lot of time analyzing how a company has performed over multiple business cycles. So we've been good at not being too simple and saying, well, buy this industrial company at peak margins at the peak of the cycle when it looks like the trailing P.E. ratio is cheap, when meanwhile the, the P.E. ratio on normal earnings would be quite high. So we don't do top-down forecasts. We don't have a view about how political events will play out, but we make sure we own companies that are not dependent on how an event would play out. You know, in the, the Brexit 
uh, point we discussed a bit just before. You know, we don't own companies where we'd really need to have a view of what Brexit means. We can have headwinds or tailwinds based on that type of event, but not to the point where the thesis is dependent upon it. That's a really interesting insight, Ken. It's, it's fascinating to talk to you and great to have you in the studio in London today. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, great to be here. Thanks, Chris. Any views and opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals and are subject to change. Where individual securities are mentioned, they do not necessarily represent a specific portfolio holding and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase or sell. Please be aware that past performance is not indicative of future performance. The value of an investment may fall as well as rise and you may get back less than you invested. Returns on equities cannot be guaranteed. Equities do not provide the security of capital characteristic of a deposit with a bank or building society.